for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, we're gonna talk about like Scriber news. How did that even actually first of all, how did that even come about? Scriber, okay. Um <laughs> yeah, so towards the end of college, um, my business partner Mike and I, we were talking about, oh, um, you know, we don't we don't really want to apply to jobs to work in corporate media. Um, we didn't really want to have to be that re those reporters that have to follow somebody else's agenda. Um, and we kind of just wanted to report on the stories that we felt were maybe not being talked about or even just present news in a fresh way. Um, you know, it's very polarized right now, as I'm sure you know, we just had an election and uh, the nation is very, very divided. And we think the media has a huge part in that as well. And um, we really wanted to restore trust in the media. So we came up with Scriber and um, we were putting the idea together. It went through a lot of different names before it became Scriber and, um, yeah, then we went through a business competition. It was kind of like a Shark Tank type of thing that our college put on um, in their business program. And we were the only non-business majors that were pitching in the competition. It was, we were up against 15 to 20 other uh, small businesses who were pitching their ideas. And we were just the only journalism majors. So it was really challenging for us, but it forced us to kind of flesh out the business model. Um, and yeah, we ended up coming first place, which was kind of insane because, I mean, we had pitches, I believe it was like bi-weekly or, or twice a month, something like that. And every time somebody would get eliminated and by the end, you know, there's like three or four of us on this big stage, like doing our last pitch with an audience this time. And um, yeah, it, it just felt like that was like a really good moment for us because we got the capital to start up. And then also we realized that there is a marketplace for what we're doing, which is nonpartisan journalism. So um, something unique about our website, if you go on it under every article, um, we have a bias meter where our readers can actually vote on how biased they thought the article was. That's and so dope. that kind of gives us, yeah, that kind of gives us like an internal look at um, not only reader bias, but also um, just keeping our authors accountable as much as possible. And we are working on some new features with that um, as well coming this summer. But um, yeah, we also have video and we are now working on a couple like podcast ideas. And um, yeah, we've, we've, we're now a year in our new studio. It kind of went by super fast, but um, we just, you know, renewed our lease and we're going to plan to do a lot more content over the next year. So yeah, that's kind of like the long ramble kind of version, I guess, short ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. What do you, so what do you think about like the media, like uh, the state of media right now? Cause what you were just talking about, there is like a lot of bias, like, yeah. So what is your like thoughts on that right now? Um, there are a lot of good journalists out there. I don't want to completely just like bash my industry. <laughs> I think there's a lot of journalists doing really good work right now. Um, but we do have a problem with, you know, there's six corporations controlling hundreds of outlets across the nation. So it's like the hands of the news are literally in six big companies. And obviously they're pouring down um, their agenda um, onto their, um, I guess, managers, and then they're passing down that message. And it's just, it's just kind of like a, it's like a game of telephone almost um, within the media landscape. But um, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of 
journal is doing good work, but I, I think that there is, we're seeing this shift now away from legacy media or traditional media, which is like cable news, like Fox, CNN, MSNBC, people are really, really tired of turning on the news and not seeing news. Like 90% of the news now are opinion talk shows. So you have Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, you've got Don Lemon on CNN, although he's, I think he's on his way out now. And then you've got Tucker Carlson on Fox. And these shows run much more than, here's the rundown of what happened today. And here's the news, here's what you need to know. And so people turn it on. And I think we've gotten so used to it now that people just look at that and they're like, oh, that's news, but that's not news. That's literally an opinion show. And that's how people are getting their information now. So I guess like our, our journey is going to be restoring trust and then also educating people because like I said, a lot of people don't even know that that's like opinion, but also teaching them what, um, how media can manipulate the public to manufacture outrage, you know, what that looks like. I mean, we've seen that a lot too with these police brutality um, cases where they'll play it over and over and over again on the news. And that can be really tra traumatizing for people, you know? And so I think also too, keeping the mental health of your audience in mind is something that we're not seeing because they're all about clicks. The clicks get the money um, and they're all about their advertisers. And so they need to be able to, to make that get that revenue in. And I think there was just some data that came out the other day that showed MSNB, MSNBC's ratings have been down so much since Trump left office because people were literally tuning in to get pissed off. And now that, you know, majority of America voted for Biden, um, we're seeing people kind of relax a little bit, you know, and that's affecting news. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, how we can, how can we keep people involved? How can we keep people, um, you know, stimulated by, by our news? And I think that's when you'll see a lot of like just crazy headlines or even the news still like following Trump and what he's doing because they know when people see Trump, they're either going to get triggered or it's going to appeal to his base and they're going to tune in. Yeah. Uh, so what do you what do you think about the current administration? Because I see like a lot of people like after they voted, they're just like everybody just said like whatever. Like it's kind of like they like nobody really holding Joe Biden accountable like how they did Donald Trump. Yeah, so I mean, I won't speak to my own opinion, but I will speak to how I think the media is treating him. It is much different, like you're saying now. I mean, they're they're doing just like these very softball type of headlines. And um, the LA Times actually, after uh, Joe was inaugurated, they launched a, um, a separate, a separate like column, I don't even call it a column, like a separate section. Um, and it was, the section was dedicated to how Kamala Harris's journey to the White House was so historic. So really putting her on a pedestal, really being, you know, her PR branch, you know, that's news are not, news personalities, journalists are not supposed to be praising politicians like that. We need to hold them accountable. Like if we don't, who, who is going to do it? Um, you know, and, and I think it was Valentine's Day or something like Joe and his wife were um, on the White House lawn, just kind of in the morning, sipping a coffee, whatever it is. And um, the media is just so obsessed. Like they're asking him like random questions like, oh, like, what are you guys going to do today? And just very like, not, it's like, you you could ask him about, you know, COVID-19. This was back in January. I was like, you could ask him about, you know, how he's going to restore the economy. Like, what is he going to do for small businesses? And what is he going to do about, um, you know, these police cases, things like that. There's so many things I could have asked him, 
but because they felt so comfortable and it's Valentine's Day and it's a light day, they decided to just, oh, let's just throw these softball. But if it was Trump, no, you, you know, the headlines would have been like Trump out golfing while COVID-19 cases skyrocket. No, so many alerts you know? Trump did something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I definitely think, you know, it's just very lackadaisical now, which is which is kind of sad. <laughs> What do you think people should like be paying attention to like right now, like in like for news, like with like in the news, like what do you think people should be paying attention to? Like topics. Yeah. I think that um, foreign affairs is going to be huge over these next four years. You know, under the Trump administration, we really saw the America first agenda kind of being pushed, whether you agree with that or not, that's not the point. That's just what his policies were, you know, holding China accountable, um, being the world force, strengthening the military, all that very, very big on backing law enforcement. And now with this new administration, um, you know, obviously the stuff happening in the Middle East, it's, I wouldn't say it's like Biden's fault or anything like that, or, um, but I, I definitely think that people should be watching for how he's going to, um, for how he's going to insert America's role in this conflict going on. You know, I think that under Trump, it was a lot, a lot of support for Israel, um, you know, whether that was selling weapons or whatever it was, strengthening their military, um, keeping them our Middle Eastern partner or whatever. But now under Biden, uh, we still do obviously support Israel, like the nation officially it still supports Israel. But I, I think that um, we might see some either rollback of that or you know we might see some more war. I don't know I really can't say but it's just going to be interesting to see how Biden is responding to all of this conflict in the Middle East and then also our relationship with China how is that going to change you know Trump um, passed a lot of sanctions to bring um, manufacturing jobs back here and um, I think now that's been rescinded um, don't quote me on that but <laughs> something like that to where we're now you know kind of getting a lot of our resources again from China. So um, whether you agree with that or not, that's just something to look into. I think foreign affairs are gonna be huge over these next four years. So what would you like to see like from this administration? I personally. Um, yeah, I don't, know I, don't really, crazy way I, don't really, I don't really give a personal opinion. Right now, I can't really say, I guess it's early, um, but I guess, okay, the one thing I can say is I hope that he does try to pursue some unity um, with the uh, liberals, leftists, whatever you want to call them, and conservatives, GOP. I, I hope there is some room for bipartisan bill passing, but I'm not gonna, you know, bet on that because this is, this is politics, right? The party that's gonna put forth their, their bill they want to be the ones to pass it. They're not going to work with the other side. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just hope there's more unity, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I think 2024 is going to be interesting. <laughs> so what do you think, like, how do you think media will look like in the future? Because it seems like you were talking about it's just all like bias. And then like, I remember growing up, you used to have like the news run down, mm -hmm. this traffic care, this, that, that. Now it's like, Everybody got their own like talk show kind of ish. So like, how do you yeah. see like the future of media like going? You know, I like to think, I like to believe the theory that when the pendulum swings so far one way, it's gonna swing back eventually. Um, but you know, I I don't I don't know what the future is gonna look like. I think 
it's definitely going to evolve with whatever new tech is out. I mean, we've seen that with social media. Um, every new social media feature or app that comes out um, that has a large following or has a lot of users, like journalists, of course, are going to gravitate to that because that's where their audience is. Um, so as far as the future, I'm not sure what it'll look like, but I do know that we have to stay on top of things as journalists. Um, it, it can be really easy to get comfortable and then fall behind. And then all of a sudden you're not with the times and you don't know how to reach people because you're so out of touch. Um, I think for journalism to evolve, like we have to just really pay attention to what's going on in our communities for sure. All right. So what do you want to do? Like, what do you see subscriber in like the next like five years? Next five years. Um, I hope we're in a bigger office. I love our office now, but I hope we are in a bigger space and we're able to employ a lot more people so that we can increase our output. And um, I hope that, hmm, that's, that's a good question. Honestly, I ask myself this question every night. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know, I guess just, um, making a bigger impact in the national media market. So definitely see us hopefully competing with other smaller to medium sized outlets. And I don't know, definitely just reaching more people and educating people. I think educating people on the types of media bias is gonna be so important. So I hope that by then we might be a resource even for college campuses or schools, high schools, middle schools um, to just teach people about, about these things and get them more involved. Where are you guys look? Are you guys located in LA? Kind of like our offices. Like we can't even get into it because it's in the building. But I'm like, I, like, yo, I need to get like my own like studio, just like can get the key and open it instead of like going to security and all that stuff. But like we can't even go in. So you guys got like your own, or it's like in the building? Yeah. So I mean, our we're in Orange County. Our office is in a like one of those office complexes so there's multiple offices so like next door there's like another business type of thing yeah they kind of like dorm rooms but like i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> but we have um a code on the outside and then like you know we have a key to get in so I'm, I'm yeah we don't <laughs> yeah we don't have like a lobby person there like you know so i don't know <laughs> yeah i was like yeah, i need one of those because like this is ridiculous <laughs> it's easier <laughs> no yeah i mean it makes more it makes way more sense i don't know why i did that you know, if it, now, like after the pandemic, I'm like, you know, I'm definitely going to look into that. Like, I need Yeah, to... for sure. I mean, a lot of them, sorry, I mean, we could talk about this after, but like I mean, a lot of them are, are lowering their rates. I don't know if that's because, you know, a lot of people lost their, their businesses during this time, which is really sad. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking, I feel like now would be a good time. <laughs> so you're Trinidadian. I had to bring that out real quick because like, <laughs> are you, are you going to go on Carnival if it opens back up in 2022? Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be open by 2022, unfortunately, because all now they would be preparing, they would be doing their pre-carnival shows, getting all the fittings done, getting the bands together, yeah. and they're under a state of emergency lockdown again. So I think it's going to be really sad to see carnival canceled for the second year in a row and how many years? I don't know. It's, it's probably been centuries. This really, is like a I... very big deal for Trinidadians. This is huge. Yeah, no, I was just like, kind of like, next year I wanted to go like, just to all the carnivals i wanted to go to that one jamaica um barbados i just wanted to go i was like yeah how do you think about um uh, talking about Trinidad? how do you think about like the government everything with all the people right now like 
I know you've seen that. So like, <laughs> you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Trade as a mess when it comes to government, and I don't even think the citizens realize it. Um, Trinis, you know them, very laid back, very coolie coolie type of vibe. We just vibe in while meanwhile, you know, everything's burning down around them type of thing. But I I don't think that they're quite awake yet to it. And I think you can um kind of see that in the way you can even look at this globally but you can see how a society relates to its government based on how uh the COVID-19 pandemic played out in terms of restrictions like for example in the U.S. obviously we saw a lot of protests like whether it was social justice issues or um people wanting their businesses back open to loosen restrictions people no matter what are going to protest for what they want. We really value the First Amendment here. In Trinidad, people are going through all the same things as far as losing their businesses. They're dealing with a lot of social type of stuff as well, but they're not out there protesting because they know their ass is going to get thrown in jail. So, you know, it's it's a very different culture. And so, I don't know, it's really sad. I think they're they're going more and more in the direction of Venezuela. I mean, I've said this for years that like Trinidad's been a like a socialist country, but um, technically they're they're not, but they are in a, in a in a way. Um, and so I don't know. It's just going to be really sad, sad to to see. But I mean, there's always been corruption there. You know, always been police getting paid off by things. Um, why is it that Trinidad is the richest country in the Caribbean? Yet look at the state of its people. All the homeless people, um, you're either poor on the bottom or you're really, really rich. There's no middle class in Trinidad. And so, I don't know. I think I'm just rambling now, but like. Do you see that ever changing or you think it's just going to continue on? I don't see it. I don't see it changing unless um, a leader comes in there and gets elected and really, really changes the entire system. But I honestly think they'd kill that person if that were to happen. So I don't know. And like, I know people are, who aren't from Trinidad are probably like, what? Like, this, she's found conspiracies. No, this is not. Uh, this no, is that's not what happens. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> so, no, that really what happens. Uh, that's good. So what are you like currently working on right now? Ooh, a lot of different things. I mean, obviously, well, right now, prescriber, we are we're getting um, ready for our new season of interns, so our summer interns. So I've just been prepping for that, really going over the lesson plans, what I'm going to coach them on. Um, we're kind of tweaking some things and really trying to make it more of a cohesive newsroom for our interns, so that when they come in here, they're going to get real world experience. They're going to learn all the interviewing techniques you need. They're going to learn how to uh, call up sources, how to format emails for it, um, how to even find sources, how to find story angles. So I'm really preparing for that right now um, with Scriber. Um, and uh, your internships guess, are better yeah. than most companies. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We've actually, <laughs> yeah, we've we've heard that, you know, like we've had a, a a number of intern groups now and they always say like I this is more than I've ever learned in like all my classes. And I I really take that as a compliment because I I really try to offer value to these people who are you know giving me their time so um yeah that's kind of what we've got going on right now a lot of shows as well i i host the sit down um it's on our youtube channel scriber tv um so yeah i guess just like locking in oh my bad what's that about 
Yes. So the sit down, it's more, it's basically like a interview style. So not a lot of me, I'm just asking questions. Um, so um, we try to just interview interesting people um, about different hot topics that might be going on. So it's kind of just like a, you know, talk, talk show, but not really. I, I really want people when they watch it to feel like they learn something and not just two people battling on a podcast. <laughs> so you just invite anybody up there or is it just like, is it like a certain, like, is it just politics or is it yeah, like, you know, um, not, it's not only politics, although right now I feel like it has been a lot of political type of people. Like, for example, I interviewed um, Dave Rubin. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a political commentator and he like used to be a liberal, you know, he's gay, all this stuff. He has a husband and, and now he's kind of like moving to the right a little bit. So I interviewed him kind of on like why that switch happened and just like um, other things about his life and his work and stuff like that. Um, so that's one of them. And I also interviewed um, Sarah Waddell from Trinidad. Um, but yeah, so we're working on editing that <laughs> as well. She was kind of talking about, um, you know, like the Venezuelan migrant crisis happening there as well and the state of emergency that they're under too. So um, that one is probably going to be controversial when Trini see that one. But I, I hope, I really hope that they're they in trouble. Try to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, so it's different stuff like that. I like, like I said, I just want it to be educational. I don't want to just bring anybody on and they don't really have an expertise in anything. So I, I really try to find kind of uh, people who are offering value in some way. That was dope. Um, what I, I saw you post something about, was it Christian men over the weekend? Was it that you got all? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you want to talk about that? I, I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, this is so funny. Okay, this is why I don't go off brand on my Instagram because people lose their minds. But um, okay, I'm a woman of faith for people who are going to be watching this. And I was just having arguments with people online about um, the biblical view of women and how my argument was that women are not called to only be stay at home mothers and wives, it is a calling. It's one calling, and this is true even outside of Christianity, right? Um, but I was just using scripture to point to the fact that there have been many women who were leaders in the Bible. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman was a hardworking woman, provided for her family, um, was giving her husband some of the side hustle she was side hustle money she was making, and you know, just really just trying to like make the argument that like women should not be discouraged from going after their dreams and goals that's literally my whole point and people lost their minds but um yeah so <laughs> that's kind of what that was why, why do you think people would have a problem with that but I don't see why I grew up with like all women might like just around in the whole household mm -hmm. so I was like I don't see why and honestly I'd be seeing like women are more capable of doing stuff than like men are like if I'm being honest, I'm like, yo, I honest, I'd rather trust a woman than a guy to do something. Like if I if I absolutely need it to be done, I'm like, oh, come on. I've said so like yeah. what, why do you think people have that problem? I think it just I think it varies um based on their worldview, um, the political views as well, and religious views, obviously. Um, but like when it comes to uh 
Christian, the Christian community, I think that what might be worrisome is that when they hear me talking about women empowerment, they think that I'm trying to dismantle the nuclear family and trying to say that you shouldn't get married and you shouldn't have kids, like all this stuff, which is not what I'm saying. My only point <laughs> was that women have dreams and goals too. If you want to be a mother, be a mother. If you want to be a wife, be a, be a wife. If you want to be a hustler, be a hustler. If you want to be a hustler, a wife and a mom, you can do that too. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you go, can you give like five great like advice to like people like that are coming up in journalism? Like they're dying college right now, struggling. They're like, I don't know what's for me. Like can you just give them like five like good pieces of information? Okay, five tips. All right. Um, first one, don't wait for an internship to start building your portfolio. Do not do this. Um, as soon as you begin college or begin your journalism program or begin your journalism degree, say, I am a journalist, not I'm a journalism student, because that way you're going to go out on your own and you're going to report on stories independently and you're going to start building your portfolio before anybody else. And by the time you start applying for internships, you're going to have so much to show for it. Um, so I would definitely say, don't wait. Don't wait for a teacher or a student or anybody else to tell you to get started. Like as soon as you enter that program, you really need to maximize your time and make the most of it. Um, yeah, that's my first piece of advice. Second would be to piece of advice oh to start branding yourself as a journalist on social media so I guess this goes back into my first point a little bit um but I know we are the generation that loves to post about our lives and personal personal stuff and that's fine but I would probably make a separate Instagram for that and really start creating your business online presence um, that's going to make a huge difference when employers are looking at you Third piece of advice is learn to do everything. So train yourself as a multimedia journalist. When you're picking your classes, pick, um, pick uh, writing, pick TV, pick radio, pick all of them and really just make yourself a well-rounded uh, student. So that way, like, again, that'll, that'll help you a lot when employers are looking at you because they're going to say, oh, this, this girl can do all of these things you know I was just looking for a, a print journalist but she can help out with video if we need something or whatever it might be so really uh train yourself as a multimedia journalist fourth ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay um study and go back and look at look at the evolution of journalism so look at what journalists were really, really popular in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s. Really try to familiarize yourself with these top journalists so you can study what they do um, and how they did it. And, you know, that'll, that'll give you some, some kind of real world type of knowledge and tips while you're still in school. So I would, I would do that for sure. Um, okay, lastly, um, gosh, this is hard. Um, oh, um, don't box yourself into one beat. So in journalism, beats are um, kind of like your area focus on what you are reporting on. So that might be like, I don't know, homelessness, crime, police, uh, local news, whatever it is. Don't box yourself into one thing. 
really try to expand your portfolio on the types of stories that you cover. So cover local news, try to cover a national story, um, cover lifestyle, do a sports story, just, just really, really expand your resume um, and your portfolio. And in doing so, you'll find a niche that you like as well. So by the time that you are graduating, you have your online presence, you have your um, portfolio and you know what you want to do and you have all this stuff to show for it. So um, yeah, that would be my top five tips. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and blessing um, all the viewers and everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm sure I will talk to you again. And yeah, yeah I'm really appreciative that you, you know, appreciate you reaching out. So yeah, awesome. Thank you so much.